This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, we hear about the Slango Manifesto from the people behind it. Because uh, I wonder how many of us actually read manifestos going into the polling booth. Does it really matter? Are we looking at personalities? Are we looking at a history? Are we just working off some feeling about wanting change? There are many reasons why people vote for who they vote for. Is uh, the manifesto a big part of that? So I think the people in the studio with us today hope that it will be. Um, so we are joined by Rajiv Rishyakaran and Elena Razif, who are both part of the PHBN Manifesto Com- Committee. Rajiv, Elena, good to have you with us today. Hi, thanks for having us on the show. Quite happy to go through all the questions, including the difficult ones today. <laughs> and there will be a few. If you have comments or questions, you can send them through as well. We are asking you, what do you want the Slango government to do better? Do you have questions, comments about the manifesto? You can call 77332900. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So... Um, Let's start with Pakatan Harapan, right? Now, Pakatan has led the state government for three terms, starting in 2008. Uh, It has the advantage of incumbency, but it's also now the quote-unquote establishment party being blamed for just about everything that's going on with these elections. What are the challenges, Rajiv, in convincing voters to give the party another five years? Well... We need to tell what we have done. We need to also tell that, you know, how that continues to grow. And I think that's where uh, this five decade for five more years uh, comes into place. Uh, and what we want to continue building on on the past. Uh, we are very realistic in this. I think our track record speaks for itself. Now, we have, we have 15 years in, in office and uh, what we are is what you can see we, we can't just pluck things from the sky and say that we can achieve this we can achieve that but we actually have things to show for uh, why five more years I, I, I think that this five this 15 years has shown that we are on a good track from good governance and how we have spent the money well without increasing taxation uh, we have introduced so many new programs that exist in Slango that does not exist in Kedah Trunganu or Kelantan uh, mind you that Trunganu is a state that has a revenue of nearly Slango's level with a population five times smaller than Slango and yet we are able to do so much more for the people. So with nearly the same revenue, with so much more people, we are able to deliver so much more programs for the people. And I think that good governance, you know, putting the money to good use for the people, it's something that all Slangorians may want to see for five more years. Well, nevertheless, it's still going to be a tough fight, I understand, uh, from what is being reported. Elena, you're quite new to Amno, uh, just four years in the party. Amno used to uh, govern Slango for decades. Uh, it's not been in government since 2008. So I want to ask you about uh, this team-up that's happening between uh, uh, Pakatan Harapan and also Barisan National, Amno being an anchor party in that. What has been the response to this unity coalition going into the polls? What are you hearing from the ground, from your supporters, but also generally from voters? Right, of course, um, <clears throat> because I would say that this is a new collaboration and it will take time for um, our supporters, the grassroots, to, to get comfortable and understand that, you know, in, in the bigger context, um, the the reason or the need for us to uh, merge together. 
uh, in this uh, election as well as being part of the um, government. And I think the main concern is because um, all these years we've been, I, I don't want to use the word indoctrination, but I would have to say that in some sort of way, you know, we've been um, seen as two big rivals and enemies and now we are forced to work together. So there's a... Um, you know, of course, it's not easy for people to just accept that, that you know, it takes time. But I think that slowly but surely on the grounds, we've been going down, telling our supporters the need or the rationale or, the, or simply, you know, the, the reason why we need to be uh, in this government. Um, Slango, during uh, the tenure of Barisa National, I think we did OK. We did well. You know, Slango was a wealthy state back then and it was continued by uh, Pakatan Rakyat and followed by PH. I think um, for us... Uh, one thing about AMNO Barista National is that we do not want to play the rhetorical game too much. We do not want to emphasize only on uh, religion and race and you know all those um, issues without going to the root or to the cause of um, the people in which we need, like Rajiv uh, mentioned earlier, good governance. And I think that's important because as much as you know each party has its own uh, manifesto to to show. Um, I believe that uh, at the end of the day, you know, action speaks louder than words. You know, people is I'm a Selangorian. I, I, I was born. I, I was born in KL, but I was raised here, and. Um, you know, throughout the years, we have not had any problems or issues. You know, the governance has been okay. We do not want to regress. We would want to progress. Right. Can I ask you, you could just <laughs> explain what you mean by the larger context, the bigger context in which uh, this unity has come to, uh, to be ne uh, necessary? The bigger context. Um, I think the bigger context here would be because we are already part of the federal government. So governance, you know, we want stability. That's what we've been pushing. Our main agenda, you know, perpaduan. So unity. It's, it's a very important uh, context. And we want our supporters to understand that. And also, you know, not just our hardcore supporters, but people who might be on the fence, you know, or even who, who, who are not supporting us. Because whatever narrative that is brought by the other side, it's only rhetorical. You know, they don't have any plans or, um, you know, ideas on how to, you know, um, improve the state of the, uh, our state, you know. So it's just, uh, you cannot simply just, you know, come into elections and say, you know, it's just because of Malay and, and, and uh, uh, Islam and, and just playing on that idea or that um, issue alone. You know, we need to know what is your plan. Even mm -hmm. if you can't even give us a five-year plan. You see, you, all, all you're saying is that um, if we govern, we're going to do this, this and that. But clearly, you know, Selangor government for the past 15 years has shown um, success, I would say, you know, as, as a state. We, don't, we do not have issues, you know, um, infrastructure is good, maintenance is good. Uh, we are able to make a good living here. So we do not want to take all those... Um, your stuff away, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think the last three years uh, has shown us a new perspective of politics that Malaysia has not seen before. You've had a coalition government since the Sheraton move uh, at the federal government level, but at the state levels, they fight. And that has shown that stability can be achieved. And you know, every month, every week, we're always wondering, will the government change? Will the prime minister change? Are we going to have general elections? When is elections? When is elections? Because there is no stability. And I think Malaysians have grown weary of that instability during that period of uh, Muhyiddin and Ismail Sabri. And, and we have learned from that. And, and this coalition that had to exist because of the hung parliament in November last year is something that we are... Uh, 
are serious about providing stability. And so, okay, all six states, we will uh, not fight each other. We would have we had our seat negotiations very successfully, no overlapping at all. And, and we're going in this thing as the Krajan Perpaduan. And, and to finish this term in office with stability for the people and for the country and for the investors and for the business until the next general elections. And so that's something that can be expected from us. And I think that's very important. And so these state elections, we're showing something different than what we saw earlier in Malacca, Johor and Sabah, where they, they stayed together at the federal, but when they fought at the states, they affected the relationship with the federal and it affected stability for everyone. So let's talk about the um, larger political context with, uh, you know, from which this manifesto is now currently being presented. Parikatha National has been framing the state elections as a referendum on the federal government's first eight months. How has that shaped or impacted your approach to the manifesto? Maybe you want to start, Elena? Um, I think given eight months, you know, it's relatively still in, in new um, and early stages of, of uh, governance. But I would say that um, the government has um, produced some initiatives which are good. And I think the Prime Minister's concern about the people and actively trying to address these issues, I, I've seen it, it's happening. Um, one clear example would be Manu Rahma, for example, right, uh, by the late uh, Datuk Salahuddin Ayyub who initiated that together. And we can see that there, that there is a big um, positive response from the people, including you know, reducing the price of um, basic goods. So I think it's, you know, it's not fair to dump everything now on the Prime Minister and say that look, you have to solve four to five years of issues within this one, one year or one, uh, this small uh, period. So it's only been eight months, but we've seen that there's positive movement uh, from the government trying to address the issues of the people. Um, I see that there's a bigger sense of accountability, which I really appreciate, because there's more uh, transparency to the people and, people, and the people can actually see you know, that there's um, a, a, an impact in the governance. Um, and, you know, as, as you said, in the bigger picture, what we're trying to achieve here with our voters and also with our supporters that we have to make them understand. And I, I cannot emphasize more on the importance of educating, I think. You have to educate your voters. Um, you know, you have to explain to them thoroughly, like, OK, this is the situation now. What are the consequences uh, later on, you know, um, and how would that impact you personally? Because I think the the situation that we have now is that many people don't care and they feel that you know politics will not impact them directly in their lives and i think we need to address that because if they see that you know based on the policies and based on the implementation of governance made by the government and and you know the government of the day it actually has an impact on your personal life and you have to take that seriously so what we try to educate first is number one you know choose, making the right choices and also to understand, to educate that, you know, you have to take politics into consideration as it forms part of your life. Right. All right. So, uh, clearly, that's the Perikatan game. You know, they're they riding on this referendum on, on Anwar's administration. Uh, the 3R issues are the most talked about issues until everyone refers to them as the 3R issues. Uh, but where is Perikatan's alternative? Now, because I, I see three opportunities, I see a couple of opportunities for Perikatan. One was we tabled the Rancangan Selangor Pertama uh, a few months ago. Not not too long ago, we tabled the Rancangan Selangor Pertama. Uh, Perikatan was the opposition in the State Assembly and just like how when we debate the Rancangan Malaysia in Parliament, uh, you have a lot of counter-suggestions from the opposition when we were in the opposition. But there were no counter-suggestions from Perikatan. I think that's, that's very 
significant to note because uh, maybe they feel that the trajectory of how the administration is run from the economy, man, economic management, from the way that uh, local infrastructure management and all that, they don't have something better to offer. If you look at the manifesto, we are already reaching in day five of the campaign period out of 14 days. You know, day five already and Prikatan still has not launched a manifesto. Um to quote one of your other regular guests on BFM, you know, you heard it first here. They were waiting for our manifesto and they wanted to add on a few more goodies on top of it and launch it a few days later. So we hear it's going to be tomorrow. Uh, but why wait until we launch ours? You need a few more days to then produce yours because it takes time to, to discuss among your leaders what to add on to what we have. You know, add on some populist goodies on top of it. You hear it here first. Tomorrow, when you see the launch, it's going to have populist goodies on top of what we have offered. And then they're going to put it out there. But you've never seen an opposition that claims to be ready to govern and wants to take over, but still have no offering. No offering when we table uh, the royal address. Uh, every year, when, the, when, the, when, the, when we open the state assembly, it's the agenda for the year. No alternative plan debated then. No alternative plan when we debate the Rancangan Slango. No manifesto uh, ready to launch when the election hits. So yes, it comes down to that, isn't it? They're, they're just riding on a referendum on, on, on what? And, and they don't have a plan for Slango. And what we have here is a report card. Uh, just go to kitaslango.com.my uh, you, you see our report card. We, we've shared with you what we've done. Boring or not, it's there. <laughs> and then we have our plan uh, to, to build on the last 15 years for the next five years. And it's something that we took seriously. We couldn't just put in random ideas because we expect to win and to be able to deliver them. And so we debated a lot on these numbers. Like, could we afford to promise this much? Could we afford to promise that much? And some things had to be dialed back uh, because, you know, we wanted to make sure that it was realistic and there's something that we can fulfill between our annual budget for the next five years. We know that we'll have this much revenue every year for the next five years and our plans must be achievable um, and realistic within that, that figures. We do need to take a quick break, but we are speaking with Rajiv Rishakaran, who is on, uh, who is the PH Manifesto Committee spokesperson, as well as Elena Razif, um, also on the committee, and Deputy Putri Amno Slango. Uh, we're talking about the Slango Manifesto. Let us know, what do you want the Slango government to do better? Do you have questions or comments about the manifesto? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Breathe freely, Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.23. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about the Slango Manifesto uh, with Rajiv Rishagaran, PH Manifesto Committee Spokesperson, Elena Razif, who is uh, Deputy of Putriamno Slango, also on the Committee for the Manifesto. Uh, we are speaking to them of the Manifesto, of course, but we want to hear from you. What do you want the Slango government to do better? Do you have questions, comments about the Manifesto or their plans? You can call 7733 uh, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we have um, some 
messages coming in, and uh, maybe we could take this from Shah. Uh, he says, PH has been delivering results, no doubt about it, managed by people with honesty and integrity, mostly bravo guys. Any proposals to redevelop Taman Medan area, Mr. Rajiv? Medan, he <laughs> um, says, it's, uh, they're dilapidated flats in sight, and the area is flooded. Do you have a specific response to that All request? Right, um Specific response on the floods, yes. In fact, it's something that we talked about. We have been working on a lot of flood mitigation projects in the last few years and more to come. Uh, we specifically mentioned in this manifesto dual function parks where we want retention ponds to exist in parks, uh, to use that space uh, while day-to-day recreation, but to be able to absorb water uh, during heavy rains. Uh, they are already flood mitigation projects ongoing in Taman Medan. Now, that's a very, very specific question, so I won't be able to dive into the details offhand. Uh, but, you know, that that's that's in the works. Now, with regards to redevelopment, um, I, I, don't, I, I don't see a problem uh, if in consultation with the local community, that's what they want. Sometimes when you drive in from outside, you look at it and say it's like, oh no, this is not a place that I would want to live in. It should be redeveloped. But I think in all fairness and respect should be given to every community and, and for the engagement to build within that community as to how they want to move forward from there. Now, looking at how PJ, MPPJ has uh, run its town planning over the last 15 years, uh, we are always constantly updating the PJ master plan. It is uh, every few years, every uh, every few years, I think it's gone through four updates in the last 15 years. Every few years, there, there is an update. So it's a, it's a plan that's alive. It's a plan that's constantly taking in feedback from the people, continu- continuously having engagement and, and developing uh, changes that communities want. Not necessarily what someone from the outside wants, but if you are living in Taman Medan and, and you want that change, uh, I would say start that conversation with your local representatives, your your Adun over there, your member of parliament, and in fact your MPPJ councillors over there to, to kickstart specific changes in your neighbourhood. So we have a couple of minutes before we need to go to the news. Um, I thought we could address a question that's come in from another listener, Jampak. And they're asking, how confident are the both of you that voters will be able to cross the aisle and actually vote for a BN or PH candidate if that's Mm. not who they've traditionally voted for? And number two, people seem kind of apathetic about this whole thing. Are you worried about voter turnout? Yes, I am worried about voter turnout. Uh, This is going to be crucial to the outcome of the elections. Uh, Let's look at whether people are willing to cross the aisle. I think uh, a lot of analysts look at Harapan supporters as more willing to cross the aisle and uh, vote for the Perpaduan government, uh, being pragmatic that this was a decision that had to be made because there was a hung parliament and there was no other way that government could be formed except through this. Uh, So most Harapan supporters, most people who voted for Harapan in the general election last year are likely to stay with the uh, Perpaduan government in these elections. Uh, however, it's a bit more challenging on the BN supporter <laughs> side. So now the BN supporters uh, have to decide whether they want to stick with BN uh, while BN is in partnership with Harapan or are they going to switch to Perikatan. So that campaign is still ongoing. There are still many undecided. If I'm not mistaken, uh, 30 to 50% of BN supporters are still undecided. But you know, we, we still have a week and a half, uh, or slightly more than a week, 
to go to persuade them uh, to stick with us. That you know we are the team that has a plan uh, and that has a track record for running the state, and and they should stick with us for stability in the state and and for continuous development in the state. Elena. <laughs> I think for BN, mainly I think reassurances to our supporters. I think there is a possibility for them to um, support this government, but provided that we give them a clearer understanding and to really guide them with why, you know, the reasoning needs to be there. And we've been going down to the to to the people for, you know, for BN. We only we only I wouldn't say only lah. You know, we're, we're very thankful that we got twelve <laughs> seats actually in Slago. But let me tell you that those twelve seats, you know. It, we have been really, it's it's like as if we're contesting the entire, uh, you know, state. We have to go uh, each uh, to each uh, uh, don and, and really work, you know, and uh, to explain to our people, especially to our supporters. And like I said, maybe the, the demographics is different in that sense where for PH supporters, it's more of the, you know, um, the, the cultural diversity. And for us, it's more trying to um, reason with the supporters, the Malay voters, you know. And, you know, by, by giving out statements like, um, you know, we are also still Muslims, we're still um, uh, Malays. And, you know, UMNO has never shifted away from our um, principles. So... Yeah, those things we really need to assure that I see that you know based on the programs that we've conducted with Pakatan Harapan as well. Um, when the Prime Minister and the um, Deputy Prime Minister came down and gave, gave their speeches, and you see there's unity in in the the programs where you see a mixture of the people attending. You would have never you know in your life would see those machiks and next to the aunties in shorts. But everyone is coming together, and I personally I, I really love seeing that, and I hope that. That, that momentum continues in Slango. So we will be back after this with uh, more. Rajiv and Elena will be sticking around. So keep sending your questions and comments through. Um, whether on um, the larger campaign or on the Slango Manifesto, you can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. And keep it here, BFM 89.9. Break from monotony, BFM 89.9. It's 5.40, you're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're talking about the Slango Manifesto in the studio with us, Rajiv Rishyakaran, who is the PH Manifesto Committee spokesperson, as well as Elena Raziv, who is uh, both on the committee as well as deputy of Putri Amno Slango. Um, and we've been asking you to send your thoughts through, keep them coming. What do you want the Slango government to do? Uh, do better, rather. Uh, and do you have questions or comments about the manifesto? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018 tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, so the manifesto was drafted by reps from PKR, Amana, DP, and AMNO. Talk to us about the realities of having that many voices coming together to campaign on the same manifesto and platform. Actually, um, I think this round was quite pleasant. Now, I've been involved in the previous rounds of uh, manifesto drafting too, and uh, maybe we have started growing and maturing and uh, and, and we, we are able to understand each other's uh, concerns and constraints. Uh, different parties have certain red lines that you know their supporters will not be able to accept. Uh, different parties have certain preferences to push for to excite their, their supporters. And we need to balance and, and give and take. And, and so the process was, um, I would say, quite smooth this time. 
the process was not uh, banging tables and shouting at each other and, and wanting to walk off as um, have actually experienced in the past <laughs> when, when things really got contentious. But uh, so it was relatively smoother. Uh, but we, yeah, we, we sat down uh, as Pakatan first among among Pakatan cells, and I'm, I'm not sure how, how on on BN side, but we 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 had our pre meetings first to to know what we wanted on on Harapan side. Uh, we also sat down with uh, part of that was the Menteri Besar's office. We also needed to align what we wanted with what uh, the MP himself wanted, as well as to cross check the capabilities of implementing ideas that we had. Like I said earlier, we you know making this realistic was very important to me. Uh, I don't want to be part of a committee that you know creates something that uh, may sound nice on paper but impossible to implement uh, by the government when if, if we win another term in office. And so, so there was a lot of working on that. And then at some point, we sat down with BN. So mm. um, Datuk Hasnal was... Uh, the chair on BN side and we sat down with each other and we started to iron out each other's uh, opinions on all the items and we went back and forth a few times to produce what we have today. Elena, what was your experience? Uh, yeah, I think we learned a lot from each other. I think when there is a merge of BH and BN, um, there was a better understanding of the stakeholders based on our voters, I would say. So from BN side, we we saw that, oh, there, there are certain policies that maybe we missed out or we overlooked and we say, oh, so BH did offer certain things. And on their side, perhaps they will also say that they, they also saw that... Um, some of the stakeholders on our end gave uh, proposals which they did not uh, uh, may may have overlooked or did not uh, think of. Uh, think of yeah. <laughs> For example, um, I would say in the agriculture sector, where it was more detailed on our end because the the people from the Hulu Slango side <coughs> they they are more proactive and they knew better of of the um, paddy issues and you know so that assisted in forming some of the manifestos. Uh, for, for Slango, yeah. Now, as actually one of the country's uh, most economically developed states, no surprise that priority has been put on income generation uh, and jobs. Uh, but, Elena, tell us, you know, about what's on offer in this pledge that you think is going to be significant for the ground that you're covering as Amno um, Barisan National in terms of this uh, issue of employment? Well, for employment, I think for Slango, we've offered... Um, I think in the manifesto, uh, high impact and good quality jobs. And I think that's important because, um, yes, job seeking is an issue. And for the youth now, it's very interesting to see the path that they're taking, you know, because based on the SPM news, where it states that many of the students, they, they do not want to pursue to higher education. Mm. So that is actually one thing that we need to consider. So they are more interested in um, businesses, you know, to be entrepreneurs. So those things... Actually, you know, it has to be taken into consideration as to what kind of jobs that we uh, would want to offer to and opportunities that we want to offer to the young. So I think for Slango, there's also assistance for, for um, startup businesses, I think, to, to just get their interest. And also the MB, I would, think, I would say, uh, has also issued out um, some of... Uh, um, 
I'm so sorry. I'm thinking in Malay, so I'm trying to try to convert it. My apologies. I don't no, know why now. It's almost in at Malay. the end of the interview that suddenly my brain starts to decide. Like, okay, you know, Elena, let's. Uh, One of the problems with the evening show. I was like, why am I thinking in Malay right now? It's so difficult for me to try to change it. Um, okay, sorry. I was talking about. I think that, that that's the education part. But uh, your question, Sharon, was regarding the job opportunities. So I, like I said, so you have to look at the context of where the the young, uh, the interest of the young now. I think that um, Tesla is opening in Cyberjaya is an amazing thing. It's fantastic. Um, that gives um, high quality jobs to many of our. And you know, it's so surprising to me because engineers apparently are the mo- are the ones that you know um, they, they 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 don't get good uh, job opportunities or lack thereof, and the pay is also not that good. So in hopes of you know these collaborations with with all these international companies would entice them and you know give them better opportunities in that regard. So I think for Selangor. In terms of giving uh, quality jobs and opportunities, you know, it's you can see w- what's going on. You know, as compared to just being rhetorical and say we're going to offer one hundred thousand jobs, but yeah, what what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So I think that's important for the youth to take note of. Yeah. Rajiv, do you think there's enough on offer um, in the manifesto in terms of uh, yeah. job creation and so on to counteract the perception that economic management on the federal level has been lacking? Uh, there is a lot on offer. Uh, so when we talk about hundred thousand high-paying jobs, this is not plucked from the sky because this administration in the last five years has attracted a lot of investment in various sectors with 89,000 high-paying jobs. So we have, we have factories coming in that have uh, a huge production line with low-paying jobs. That That's that's still important, that's still investment, that's still good for the state. But at the same time, we also want to measure investments that are bringing these high-paying jobs for our engineers and, and for management purposes. Uh, and TVET, you know, we, we have a lot of TVET programs going on. You know, If you want to take up a course in, in a wide variety of TVET things from being electrical charge man, aircon repair, car mechanic, and so on, there are already lots of programs in existence. But in addition to that, 10,000 TVET opportunities with high-tech TVET, uh, working in with companies like Apple and Siemens. Uh, So we want to take it to the next level. We want to create high-income opportunities, not just for graduates, but also in in TVET. Uh, And businesses, we have been running our Hydra loan programs uh, for years now, and, and that's going to keep continuing. And, and that enables businesses to borrow easily uh, at, at the infant stage uh, when they are small and micro to grow up. So loans up to 100,000 ringgit, we have been dispersing continuously, helping companies get a foothold. And so once they reach that level, you know, where they can borrow up to 100,000 ringgit, then the next step they go up, like when they borrow 300,000 ringgit, they can graduate to the banks. But when they are borrowing small, 2,000 ringgit, 10,000 ringgit, 15,000 ringgit, the state government has filled in that gap because at that point, going to the banks is challenging. And so we have been running these microcredit loans um, up to 100,000 ringgit, not just the 2,000 ringgit ones, but up to 100,000 ringgit helping businesses. So if you want to start a business, it's you got a, you got a leg up in Slango compared to, say, being in Trunganu. If you want to work on getting good TVET opportunities, you know, Slango's probably where you want to be, as well as high-paying jobs. Um, we are the you know, places where the rest of the country draws to, to, to find employment after they graduate. 
We'll be back after this with Rajiv Rishyakaran and Elena Razif. If you have questions on the Slango Manifesto or what you want to see in the next uh, in uh, slang or with the next government, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Blues, folk, metal. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 5.51. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We are joined in the studio with Rajiv Rishyakaran and Elena Razif, both on the PHBN Manifesto Committee. Uh, we've been hearing about the manifesto, of course, but we are also getting plenty of listener questions that are coming in. Uh, before we get to them, um, perhaps we can... Um, close off this sort of specific look at the manifesto. Um, and I'd like to hear from each of you what you think the main takeaways are from the manifesto. Elena, if you want to go first. Right. The main takeaway, I would say, it's that we want to maintain whatever that is um, going on in Slango right now and to improve um, with better opportunities and also to a better uh, improvement of uh, the people's lives. And I think um, PH has done not only uh, provided a very, I would say, inclusive uh, manifesto, but it, it's a proven um, achievement, say, for the past five years. And we really hope to continue that. And um, I think this manifesto also addresses on um, a variety of issues, such as housing, uh, housing ownership, housing prices, um, education, job opportunities. And it's a very, uh, I would say, very practical and it does address uh, the issues to the core. And I think it does also make it easier for the people of Slango to, to uh, take advantage of, of these manifestos. And I think one thing about Slango also is that um, these manifestos, they're not just rhetorical in that sense, but it's, uh, it's easily accessible uh, by way of the government uh, agencies, you know, related government agencies. And Slango is also the... I, I would say, is it the only state or the first state to to be um, fully digitalized in that sense? So um, information is easily accessible. And one important thing that I would say, because, um, you know, as, as uh, a rakyat, I would want, you know, these manifestos, but I need to have easy access to them. And I think Slango, by providing a, sim- a simpler form of um, getting all these uh, access to these manifestos, I think that is, is very good, yeah. Rajiv? All right, so uh, there's 53 items here, and I'll just have to pick a few that <laughs> I think will appeal to the BFM yeah, listeners. Yeah, we have, it appeals minutes, to me. So. Six minutes, very quickly. One, we have started digitalizing government. In the next term, we want to finish it. So you'll never have to go to a government counter again if you choose not to. Do it on your phone, do it on your laptop. Second, we want to help digitalize businesses who want to digitalize. So we're not taking away the counters and same time with the businesses, we're not forcing them to, but we're going to help. A lot of businesses don't know how to get to to start selling online, to start receiving electronic payments and we want to help them do it. Um, Affordable housing, 200,000 homes to be built in the affordable housing category, less than 250,000 ringgit. And this may seem like a big number. We've built 66,000 in the last term, but 200,000 is not impossible. In fact, we've already planned out 179,000 of those. A little bit more planning to plan all 200,000. Construction will happen you know, in, pro- in stages over the next term. Taking on traffic. 
government has never told you that we are going to take on traffic as a priority. And and we have mentioned this in the manifesto. We want to bring in uh, AI, artificial intelligence, uh, bringing in technology to make traffic junctions more efficient to reduce that burden as well as to uh, improve the use of demand response transit. Now, we started off with Kumpol. You know, when, when that was launched, it was unheard of. And, and that has started spreading now, not just in PJ, but you have it in Cyberjaya, Wangsa Maju, uh, Shah Alam, and, and so on. And, and that's something that the Slango government wants to grow because it will help fill that gap in. You've got your MRT, your buses, as well as fixing up the walkways. We have built hundreds of kilometres of pedestrian paths and we want to continue doing so in the next term. Recreation is important, not just work, work, work. You know, high-income jobs are important, but recreation is important. We are pledging one uh, flagship park in every constituency. So, 56 constituencies in Slango, one flagship park, you know, in every constituency. How a flagship that will be, it should be the local uh, communities to decide uh, what, what kind of features they want into it. And, you know, in, in PJ may be different from Sikinchan and different from Kajang, and, but, but one flagship park in every constituency alongside the existing parks. So uh, these are some of them. Um, not forgetting those uh, from the rural areas because Slango still has them. We're also taking seriously fixing rural infrastructure, roads and drains. 100 million ringgit allocated to fix the Jalan Kampung, to fix the village roads. You know, sometimes driving through them is challenging. And so these are serious uh, pushes that we are making into areas uh, that you may not have heard government make pledges like this before. Okay, talking about pledges and Janji Manis, uh, we have a message from Choi Kwok Ming who says, I would love if every running candidate personally guarantees, legally enforceable, that they will uphold and enforce the present manifesto, whether they win or not, for the duration of the incoming state session. Is that realistic? Okay, so we can enforce the manifesto if you win. Uh, that's what the manifesto is saying. You know, mm. vote us into government so we can do these items. We can't enforce them if we lo- if we lose. Then we will not be the government. I think to they do might mean things. make the promise whether you win or lose. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry because you're voting in a government, and this election you're either voting Perikatan or Harapan to be the government. There's only two parties which are running to be the government uh, that will form the that will be the Menteri Besar and the Ten Excos. And the government has to have an agenda. And if Harapan, Perpaduan, BN becomes the government in Slango, this is our agenda. So you hold us to account on this if we are the government. We have Bernard saying, can you guys create something clear and simple um, as messaging for us? My relative has been asking me who to vote. Um, I had to explain one picture for WhatsApp, Bernard says, uh, would be great. Messaging is very poor at the moment um, for for both sides. I think... While today's show, we may have talked about a lot of different details, let's look at the big picture messaging that I started with. We have, while maintaining the taxation levels in Slango, your Chukai Pintu and your Chukai Tana, we have used that money wisely. We have we have done open tenders to make the, the buck go longer. And we have introduced a lot of programs that did not exist before. Uh, Binkas, 300 ringgit, aid to to uh, families of low income, you got your pedulisi hat, you got free waters to free water to low income family, affordable housing, the free bus program, and so on. Forty six uh, initiatives done, a wide variety of programs that exist in Slango, 
without having to impose a new taxation, a new GST or, or whatnot. However, if you look at our counterparts, you know, the closest income counterpart to Slango is Trunganu, run by Perikatan, that does not have this. And, and how we stretch the dollar has shown you that good financial management yields dividends of good governance and that dividends is all these programs for the people. And that is important. I would hope we treasure that and don't lose that and don't regress in the next five years. Unfortunately, we are out of time. But Rajiv, Elena, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for thank having you so us. Much. And if you forget everything else, remember that on the last point. <laughs> <laughs> thank we've, you for having us here. We've been speaking with Rajiv Rishyakaran uh, and Elena Raziv, both from the PHBN Manifesto Committee. Uh, keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.